Well, let's recover after that. <laughs> Jesus. That's I got it here. Wow. Man. <laughs> First prophet to ever prophesy over me was a Kiwi in California when I was 12 years old. And that's when God planted such a deep place in my heart for this country 26 years ago. When I met my wife before we started dating and we uh, just shared, I asked her, I said, you know, I was just feeling her out, making sure, you know, is she the one? Is she, you know, is she the one that I'm called to run with for the rest of my life? And I, so one of my first questions was, what countries did God put on your heart? And her first country was New Zealand. And then when we first came here in 2008, we just knew that this was, that I had been holding on to this place for so long in prayer and and so, and it's so crazy that, and Andy and Matt and Renee know this, that the moment that Andy walked in, I asked him about his necklace. I said, can you just go out and buy that, or do you have to have somebody give it to you? And they said, yeah, no, 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 you can't. You can't go buy that. It's got to be a place of honor that it has to be given to you. And I've come here a number of times, and I've never asked that. And I just knew when he walked in, it was just like so highlighted to me in this like deal, like jumping up, which, so it's just crazy that this is the morning. <laughs> yeah, I love you. <laughs> so Jesus, I love preaching uh, while I'm crying and, uh, done it many times, and I'll do it many more times in my life, and it's just good. It's just good to have a good cry, you know? It's good. It's so good. Jesus. Oh, man, it's so good. Okay. I've only got a couple of these left. Just go get them. Jesus People Movement, it's happening again. One of the reasons why I really came on this trip was I had a dream where I was in New Zealand and I was uh, playing frisbee with God and he was in Australia and we were throwing a frisbee back and forth. And this is the story of Lonnie Frisbee. And I've been having these dreams about frisbees and it's God shouting from the rooftops that the Lord is raising up many frisbees, not just one, not just a few, but a generation of frisbees. And, uh, and so I just feel like, you know, to be a student of history, to understand that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he has a tendency of repeating what he's done in the past, and it might look a little different, but to honor history, to know what God has done in the past, and, and there is a harvest that's happening around the world right now, and uh, Jesus and so I only have a few books. Um, if you get one, let, let people borrow it, and I'll, I'll bring more next time. But um, anyways, Jesus, let's get that. And uh, I'm going to talk to you. Uh, this is going to be a, a fun time that you guys are family, and this is definitely a message of, of vulnerability, and uh, which I love. I absolutely love vulnerability. I love authenticity, and, um, and I'm going to talk about encountering the Prince of Peace, that we are in such a, a need to encounter Jesus as the Prince of Peace in this day of age, where we have anxiety disorders ramping up like crazy, we have depression, we have suicide among young people at an all-time high, uh, we have, uh, you know, in my country, it's the opioid crisis, I know that you guys are, uh, you know, having a whole issue with pee and, and, and also that spirit of addiction. But, um, you know, it's, it's uh, and that's just all speaking about the needs, you know, where, where, where God is the one that raises up uh, solutionists, revivalists that begin to move in creativity and come up with solutions for a generation, and we can see the statistics, and it's screaming the need, and that we take courage 
because God's raising up giant killers. And if you're more than an overcomer, that means you have some things to overcome. And so I'm just going to hit some scriptures on peace over you guys. And then I'm just going to share a little bit about the season that I've come out of, which has been an amazing season. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will be not shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. Isn't it interesting how peace and joy are married together? Sometimes when you're not feeling very joyful, it might be because you lost peace. And when you discover and connect your heart to peace, you'll begin to discover joy all over again. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will be burst, will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Sounds like an amazing worship service. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This one's like the big one. I love this one. This is one that I feast on. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's just, that just stirs me up. Stirs me up. So I um, went through a season, October 2014 to October 2018, four years of, uh, you know, it's so interesting when you go through trauma, you go through, you know, circumstances of life. First of all, everything's not the devil. Maybe I need to say that again. Everything that's going bad in your life is not always the devil. Sometimes there's circumstances of life. Sometimes there's tests from God. And then, yes, there is spiritual warfare and attack from the devil. So I went through some trauma beginning of October 2014. Um, I'm not going to go into all the different things, but it was a barrage. And especially I would have like, like three points of trauma hit me in a, in a span of a few weeks and then a couple months would go, and then there'd be another series of tra trauma going on. So October 2014, I lost my grandma three weeks later. And my grandma, this was my first grandparent to die. And uh, she was a real spiritual, you know, grandma as well, as far as, like, she was just this amazing intercessor, prophetic lady. And, uh, and she mentored me in the things of the Spirit. And so it was a big loss to lose her. And then three weeks later, I dislocated my knee. And then a lady stole money from us, a great deal of money, and uh, it all happened in the span of about five weeks. And then my little girl was born a month later. And, uh, and then, you know, that, that just kind of started this season. But you need to understand, from uh, October 2014 on, I was having crazy encounters with Lord. I was having crazy dreams. I probably have had the most significant dreams the last five years that I've had in my whole life. Uh, I've had supernatural encounters. I shared on Friday night about this angel that touched me in my kitchen when I was trying to grab a snack, which is a lot of fun to get hit by an angel as you're just grabbing a snack. And, uh, and I had an encounter that lasted a few hours on the tile floor, shaking on the ground, where my wife was like, wow, that, that looks like it hurts, you know? And I did that for a couple hours. And, uh, and I've had a number of a series of encounters with the Lord, but it, but it felt like an Oliver Twist, you know, you know, the book, like, you know, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And, um, and I don't have, you know, to give you a little bit of, uh, of an understanding is uh, went through seven deaths. I lost all my grandparents. Um, I had consecutive grandparents die on Thanksgiving. That's an American holiday. 
uh, you know, but, but it's interesting how you could have a loved one die on a special day and it will bring you, you know, it, it kind of brings a little bit of trauma on that day. And, uh, and so um, Julia lost all of her grandparents. We had a miscarriage in 2017. I had uh, three surgeries. I was in a crazy car accident, which I'll talk more about in October 2018. Um, and so it was an interesting time. Miscarriage was pretty rough uh, in 2017. And, you know, it's crazy when God calls you to, inter- to be an intercessor and to be like a message to the church and to grow. Like when you go through trauma, when you go through stuff, you, your empathy and your compassion begins to grow as you begin to walk out, the whole, you know, the other side of wholeness. And... And the deal is, is when you're going through pain, you have to be present in your pain. That you can't cope unhealthy ways, you can't escape from your pain, that you have to be present in your pain. And it's intriguing because when you have been victimized, and, but you could cross over to the identity of becoming a victim. Like, like, like I am one of the most optimistic, like, uh, you know, overcomer, like that's just who I am, positivity, like I believe that God is optimistic. I mean, Romans 8, 28, you know, whatever the enemy uses for evil, for harm, God will turn around for good. And it's crazy when you're going through barrages of trauma where I begin to have things get thrown at me that I was like, I've never battled before. Like a foreboding spirit. You know, nothing as bad has happened in three or four months, and then suddenly there'd be this, oh, wow, there's something else that's going to happen. And I'm like, well, what the heck is that? Sticking foreboding spirit. So I had to be intentional in, in not letting those seeds take root, not being a, a victim, you know, mentality take root. And I'm going to share a bit about how to break that stuff off through my story. And... Um, it's super intriguing when you're going through trauma, you're going through pain, how usually 70% of your community runs for the hills and 30% gets closer. And it's so important with those that are going through trauma, going through pain, that you get around them and say, hey, you know what? I don't fully understand, but I'll take the journey with you. I'm going to give you words of wisdom. I'm going to give you solutions. I'm going to give you prophetic words. But when it doesn't, like, happen right away, there is no shame. There is no, like, oh, you must have not applied it right. No, no, no. I've got your back, and I'll take the journey with you. When people are going through trauma, that's probably one of the biggest things they need is people to support them and say, hey, I will take the journey with you. And it was really crazy with me, like, I am the giant killer. I'm the revivalist. I'm the grocery store guy. I'm the guy that sees cancer healed. I'm the guy. And so you would tell people, like, oh, man, I'm going through it. Like, I lost my son in a miscarriage. And then, and then you would talk to him a couple months later and say, hey, will you keep praying for me? I'm going through it. And their looks and their responses would be, well, you're Chad Deadman. I thought you'd be done with that by now. And there's something powerful in being vulnerable because I would feel that re- resistance sometimes or that, Chad, what's wrong? that's not normally who you are. You normally get over stuff so easily. And I was so inundated and so like, you know, sometimes stuck in my pain trying to figure out because sometimes when you're in pain, it feels like quicksand. The more you move and try to grab branches, the deeper you go. But you have to keep moving. You have to keep grabbing branches because if you just sit there, you'll continue to slip down deeper and deeper. See, the enemy loves to isolate us. It's actually when you are vulnerable and you communicate, hey, I need you to get my back, that is a position of strength. There is no shame. There is no weakness. That actually takes a strong person. You know, you have David and his mighty men coming to Ziklag and they got rejected by the enemy. They just had this crazy war campaign. They get to Ziklag back home, and they find their homes burning. Their wives and children have been kidnapped. All their possessions stolen, cattle stolen. And, and, uh, and, and David says, hey, we need to go and get what the enemy has stolen. Well, 200 out of his 600 men say, we're exhausted. We can't go on anymore. He says, fine, just rest by the river. 
and that 200 rested by the river and the 400 went into the enemy's territory, got what the enemy has stolen, brings it back, and the, the 400 men are like, why are we going to share it with these guys? They were just resting by the river. And David makes it a law, makes it a decree. Everyone gets back what the enemy has stolen. And I'm telling you, there are seasons of your life where you need to know when, it's, when you need to rest by the river and you begin to communicate to your community, hey, will you go and get what the enemy has stolen for me? Because if we don't do that, we will begin to strive, we will begin to burn out, we will begin to blow up our lives. Because God's asking you to rest by the river. And you need to have discernment of the seasons of when it's time to rest and when it's time to fight for other people. So, car accident. Uh, summer of 2018, which is your winter, over in the Northern Hemisphere. And uh, the summer of 2018 was, a, was an amazing summer where I was uh, doing this ministry called Catch the Wave, I was uh, putting on outreaches and prayer meetings. We do these things called wow services, worship on water. We go do worship services out in the ocean. We do beach cleanups. We would, you know, give away sausages and, 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 ask, and ask people if they want prayer. We uh, rented out Calvary Chapel where the birthplace of the Jesus People Movement happened, brought in Heidi Baker. It was amazing. It was incredible, the God stuff that was happening. But in that time, in that summer, there was crazy, like, witchcraft stuff. We had witches show up to our meetings. We had covens show up to our meetings. You know, one witch uh, said that, hey, our whole coven has been cursing you for the last three years, that, uh, that your offspring would die, and we know you had a miscarriage June 1st, 2017. Um, another uh, meeting, uh, a coven of witches showed up in the coffin with my name on it. They, they edged in my name. And I just took that as, okay, I'm stirring up the hornet's nest. Like, the enemy isn't happy that I'm advancing the kingdom of heaven, so I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. Yeah. Definitely got more intercessors involved and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, um, and it was crazy because 10 days before I was in this crazy accident, a witch cursed me that I would die the way that my namesake died, which was my uncle Chad, who died in a car accident. So... I minister in Monterey, California. I was meeting Heidi Baker the next day in the morning um, in Redding, California. It's a five-hour drive. Bay Area traffic is really, really bad, similar to Auckland. And, uh, and so I knew, like, hey, I'm going to leave at 3 in the morning. I woke up at 2.45, left at 3 in the morning, and, and drove through the Bay Area before traffic got really bad. And then I knew I had a forerunner, um, which is like a helix or something. or Yeah. A surf. Oh, man, I love that. Yes. Yeah, a Toyota surf. And so, uh, so anyways, <laughs> I knew that I could sleep in the back of my Toyota surf. And, um, and so I uh, got to Vacaville, and I know that you may not know these locations, but Vacaville to Reading, there's no traffic. So I knew once I skirted through bad area traffic, I could take like a 45-minute nap. And so I was pretty tired. You know, I drove three hours, took a break, slept for 45 minutes. I get back into my car. I'm falling asleep at the wheel, trying to stay awake. And I've got like a 15-minute window to pull over again. So I pull over again after driving another hour. And I'm just like, I've got to like close my eyes. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing very good. My, my uh, radio broke and all this different stuff. So I had no music. And there was just a lot of, you know, like, dang, you know, I wish I had some some other, you know, anyways. Um, so I, I, I set my alarm for like 15 minutes. I don't know if I fell asleep, but I was pretty groggy out of it. I jumped back in my car and I forget to put my seatbelt on because I was all out of it. And, uh, and I fell asleep at the wheel going cruise control 75 miles an hour. So over a hundred kilometers per hour. Fell asleep. I woke up with my arms off the wheel doing this and I'm going right towards a billboard with a, a, a concrete pillar, going right for it, over 100 Ks. And I grab the wheel, jerk the wheel, start hitting the brakes. I'm fishtailing, and I'm thinking, I've got to get back on the highway. I've got to get back on the road. And when I got back onto the road, I was a little sideways from fishtailing, and my tires grabbed the asphalt, and I began to flip. And I had that thought of, oh, no, like, there's no way. Like, this is like a dream. Like, this isn't really happening 
And then suddenly I felt fingers go across my legs, across my torso, across my chest, across my head, and then the forming of a palm, which only can articulate as like a cocoon. I felt the hand of God go over my body. And then I was knocked out, which me being knocked out saved my life because I was limp. I wasn't tight. I wasn't tense. I was just went totally limp. And when I was knocked out, I encountered one of my healing angels that I've seen in healing ministry for the last 20 years. And he was, you know, 100 meters away, and he walked towards me very slowly. And he got to about, you know, a couple, you know, like, like a meter away, and he smiled. And the moment he smiled, I came back to consciousness. Well, uh, the highway patrolmen, the police, they were across the highway. They watched me flip. They came running over. They said, uh, we saw you roll your forerunner five times. You look like a sock in the dryer, ping pong balling around. You were ejected through your sunroof. I've got scars on my back where I skidded along the five highway. And then I, then, then I got picked back up into my forerunner. Yeah, signs that make you wonder. <laughs> I came to, like you need to understand, I had my long board uh, in the car. I had two short boards. Like this phone was actually in the car with me. It was connected to a charger cord. The charger cord was severed in three places. Um, I had my backpack in the passenger seat. Like we found that, you know, a good 100 meters down the road, torn to shreds. Um, you know, I had weapons in my car with two short boards, a long board. The long board set across from me in the passenger seat. It had level. Like, you know, I, I, I went to go talk to the police and I couldn't talk because there was a bunch of stuff in my mouth and I thought it was my teeth, but, you know, and I pulled out four rocks that were in my mouth. I was bleeding, like my, my teeth were fine. Um, and uh, I don't know if we could do the video, but this is the, I found out, yes. Hey everybody, this is uh, Chad. That was my forerunner. Gone. I'm a little concussed. These guys are kind enough to help me. Friggin' crazy. Yes. My my words exactly. Freaking crazy. So I'm a little concussed. I'm a little out of it. And um, you know, by the way, that video, uh, I found out, you know, through this whole journey of in, in 2015, where God really began to call me to father millennials, that I'm a tweener. And so I'm, I'm connected to the Gen Xers and I'm connected to the millennials in, in, in what year I was born. And so that was a very big millennial move right there. 10 minutes after a car accident to do a selfie video <laughs> was me, was my millennial side coming out. Literally felt the hand of God. You know, I had, we had miscarriage, we had deaths, I had, you know, hernia surgery, I had knee surgery, I had clavicle surgery, and then you go through stuff, like I had clavicle surgery, they put a metal rod in there, and they gave me uh, Oxycontin, which I discovered later after taking one script of it and being like out of my mind that it's full-blown heroin. Yes, this is your special speaker. But that, that made me, I mean, I went back and forth with my doctor saying, you've got to give me something that's like not, not an opioid. And we went back and forth, and I, and I finally asked him, how much do you make per script you write? And he said, $150. And I said, I need to go to another doctor. Like, it began me going so deep into this place, like, you know, of experiencing and, and giving, you know, opioids. Like, oh my gosh, we are in a full-blown opioid crisis. Like, do you realize... I know this would translate well to Western culture, but in America, we are 4% of the world's population and we consume 80% of the world's medications. There is an opioid problem in, our, in my country. You know, when, I had, uh, when we had our miscarriage, I, I really, you know, had, I went, I went, you know, it hit me hard. And Julia's like, you need to go tell the doctor what happened. So I go tell the doctor, and he's like, oh, here's Prozac, you know, which is an SR1, an antidepressant. You know, I, I didn't take Prozac. I did my research, and I realized, wow, this is not, this is not the, this is like, would be the last straw. This would be the final line of defense. And I'm going to try to hit this thing through other ways, other arrows. 
But the deal is, is that it caused empathy of understanding of other people going through their trauma and, and dealing with the opioid crisis or dealing with, you know, how easy it was to be prescribed that or, or prescribed Prozac. You guys doing okay? See, the Lord will give you arrows. And see, when I felt the hand of God, I was in the ambulance, and God said, this is a reset season. This is a time for you to rest by the river. So I let go completely of ministry. October 2018, I had three interns. I had a volunteer team of 12 people. And I told them, guys, I'm shutting down Catch the Wave. I'm shutting down ministry. I don't know when I'm going to pick it back up, but I am going to take a sabbatical. I'm going to just rest by the river. And that doesn't communicate that the witches win and the enemy wins. It's actually trust in God because one of the pillars of peace is trust in the Father, that he's a good father, and he'll bring, he'll resurrect you know, dreams and things and assignments at the right time. And are you mature and do you have a place of trust in the Father that you can let go, trusting that if it's Him, He'll resurrect it? So a month in this place, like, because what happened to me is I had a bad concussion. Um, so I'd be sensitive to light. I would get headaches. I would get, you know, all this stuff. I would have night terrors and I, I discovered I had severe PTSD. And so I'd have night terrors at night of being in the accident again. I would watch a movie, and there would be a car chase and an accident, and then suddenly I'd feel hot, or I would feel my chest get tighter, or, you know, I'd get claustrophobic. My peripheral vision would begin to shut down. And and then I'd begin to grow in self-awareness of understanding, oh, that's my cortisol levels being jacked up, and I'm going into fight-or-flight mode. I jumped on a—somebody gave me a vehicle, because I totaled my vehicle— and uh, someone gave me a vehicle in Southern California, so I had to jump on an hour flight from Sacramento to L.A. I jump on the flight, and I have a claustrophobic attack. This is about a month after my accident. I have flown over a million miles, and I've never had a claustrophobic attack. So I'm like, okay, something is seriously wrong. So I went and saw a psychologist that works with Navy SEALs coming back from tours of duty to assess, do they have PTSD? And she was like, you have severe PTSD. So I'm like, all right, let's kill PTSD. Let's do it. So I began to go on a journey with like getting counseling, taking, you know, doing EDMR, like just doing this different stuff. And then a month into this journey, I'm uh, hanging out in the prayer chapel in Reading, and Reading uh, and I've spent time with God and the Holy Spirit says, Chad, I want to encounter you. And I was like, sweet. That's like why I'm here, you know, come and encounter me. And the Holy Spirit says, I don't want to encounter a 37-year-old Chad. I want to encounter six-year-old Chad. So I became a six-year-old boy. And I'm walking with the Holy Spirit and we come into this like valley floor of a place called Yosemite. It looked like Yosemite, which is a natural, uh, a, a natural reserve park in California, beautiful waterfalls. And, and I'm there with the Holy Spirit. And then I see this art easel and the Holy Spirit says, it's time to paint again. And I get triggered when I was six years old, where I went on a gallery tour with my grandma, my mom's mom, who's a professional artist. She was a professional sculptor, watercolor, and I did a gallery tour through California and Oregon with her, and, and, and just a little bit of history, like I was named after her favorite child, Chad, and I felt a lot of pressure to be like Uncle Chad, and, uh, and sometimes when I feel pressure, when I feel that kind of stuff, my unhealthy side will rebel, and my healthy side will move in freedom. And so I felt that thing to like rebel and that thing, you know, and I started taking art as a kid and I had some critical art teachers and then I began to self-sabotage. I began to, you know, like, oh, Chad, like maybe creativity skipped a generation or, you know, various different things where art was very scary. Art was, I felt very judged. I felt very compared to be like my uncle Chad and this comparison thing. And so I started sabotaging that place of art and creativity inside of me to the point when I was in high school, I took high school ceramics and I flunked. You have to have some self-sabotage to flunk high school ceramics. 
But then in my 20s, I started like, you know, gaining in other areas of life, like where those began to be my jam, my sweet spots, my authority. And, and you know, and I began to pay attention to those where, where I, if I was honest, like there was a place of like, dang, I wish I would have stepped into art as a kid. But it was that lie that I was believing that, well, I should have, you know, that, that moment of training passed me by. Like if it was a time to pick it up, it would have been when I was a kid. You know, it's too late now. I've got like, you know, I've got so much momentum in these other areas and I need to give my life to those areas. But here I am coming out of trauma, out of PTSD, and the Holy Spirit says, Chad, it's time to paint again. 37. So I started taking art classes in the local university. I started going to my mom's art classes. And it's so crazy that the first 10, 20 minutes, I would feel this comparison. I'd feel, hear these voices. You don't belong here. You know, it's too late for you. You're 37. You know, like, like, oh, look at all these other people that are so much more qualified, so much more skilled. And then suddenly I would just silence all those voices and I would lose myself in art and I would find wholeness when I get lost in my painting that I would find wholeness there that I wasn't finding in counseling, that I wasn't finding in other areas. You could do the second picture. This is one of my first art. Uh, this was actually the, the vision or the encounter I had with the Holy Spirit. There's me and Julia walking, and that's a, a watercolor that I did. And I'm telling you, many of you are dealing with trauma, dealing with pain, and God gave you the arrows to overcome that pain and trauma. He gave you those arrows in your childhood. And God is asking for you to pick it back up, that it's never too late to pick up those arrows. That God gives you arrows to overcome anxiety, depression, trauma, PTSD, and that you would begin to pick them back up. He doesn't give you one arrow. He doesn't give you a few arrows. He gives you many arrows. I began to learn the guitar where I had no idea what I was doing, but I began to learn the power of my voice where Psalms made way more sense. The life of David made more, way more sense. Your voice is powerful. Jesus. Some of you, you're dealing with pain, and the reason why it's so important to be present in your pain is to find beauty, to find the redemption, to not hide away, to not cope in unhealthy ways, but to begin to find God there. That I remember, you know, being in, on my back deck watching a sunset, and God was talking to me about transition. Watching the sunset, like, you know, Chad, isn't it crazy what people do for a sunrise, for a sunset? They wake up in the middle of the night and they hike up a mountain to watch the sunrise. Or they make reservations at a restaurant like three weeks in advance to, to watch the sunset and the perfect, you know, you know, table to watch the sunset. That people do, you know, intentionality, inconvenience to watch Day become night, night become day. The most beautiful times of the 24-hour you know, day period or, or you know, 24-hour cycle, the most beautiful times is day becoming night, night becoming day is transition. The most beautiful times in your life should be transition. Like everyone loves the glory, but no one really likes the two. Glory to glory. And that two is transition to find beauty, to find God in the two. That there's nutrients that you might be going through trauma and that you would understand. I mean, let's just read this really quick. This is James. This is, this is grown-up talk here. I was speaking in a church in uh, Chicago, and, and uh, this guy was like, oh, that's grown-up talk. That's grown-up talk. And then just from that moment on, I just kind of adopted that whole deal. But anyways... My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see to it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. 
And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. It's James 1-2. Jesus. So I began to just kill PTSD I began to discover the many different arrows, whether that be guitar, whether that be float tanks, whether that be arts, whether that be counseling, whether that be like, I'm like, hey, I know that God's given me many arrows. Some of them are from my childhood. Some of them I'm grabbing right now. Um, and, and I just begin to find that. And in February 2019, God said, I want you to begin to meditate every morning on encountering me as the Prince of Peace that you would encounter me as the Prince of Peace, that you would go deep into a place of peace. So for an hour, every morning, I would say, Jesus, I want to encounter you as the Prince of Peace. I want, like, I just began to go hard after peace of discovering how important trust in God is connected to your peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. And we're living in such an age where I got to understand everything. You got to, you know, the Bible has to fully make sense. God has to fully make sense, which is crazy because if you limit God to your own understanding, you just reduce who God is. There's an element of celebrating mystery and an element of that is faith and that is trust that I trust him, that he is good. That you begin to find his goodness in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the trauma, that you choose to worship, you choose to trust, that you count it blessings, that you take courage when you're going through the trials, the testings. And then another deal of peace is rest. God rested on the seventh day that Jesus slept in a storm where the disciples woke him up and said, do you even care if we live? Which is a crazy accusation to the Savior of the world. And then he says, peace be still to the storm. And I've heard it preached. And I think it's a great message of Jesus was, you know, like disappointed or whatever, you know, uh, adjective you want to articulate there, that the disciples didn't operate out of their own authority to command peace over the storm. But if Jesus was always doing what the Father was doing and he was sleeping, I think he might have been disappointed his disciples saying, you didn't know that you could sleep in the middle of a storm? You didn't know that you could sleep in the middle of crazy storms of life? Because sleep is a manifestation of rest, and rest is a manifestation of peace. And you need to understand, in my country, in America, 70% of Americans are sleep-deprived. A statistic came out, 70% of Americans are sleep-deprived. Do you know that when you don't sleep for 18 hours, your body chemistry is the same of alcohol content, zero, uh, um, 0.08 and it compounds, but it's 24 hours at 0.10. That means your vision is impaired. You're, you're, you're not able to make good decisions. And, and when you're sleep deprived, like when you don't sleep and you sleep like to say five hours in one night, you can't sleep 10 hours and get it back. It compounds. There is an attack on our sleep. That's why I think God is releasing dreams. There's something about the night season that God wants to pour out on, on the church, but there is an attack on sleep right now. Some of that is spiritual and some of that is practical with all of the technology and understanding about, you know, what happens when, you know, you, you, you read your Kindle or you look at your phone, you know, hitting the like button on Instagram releases a dopamine injection where you didn't have anything like, you know, when you go for a run, there is something that you did, a sense of accomplishment. But when you hit like, it releases dopamine, but there was no result. And therefore it leads is a big trigger to depression. They're actually talking about it right now on Instagram that no longer will you see other people's likes. How many likes did John have? How many likes did Sean have? Have they done that already? Thank the Lord. But when you encounter the Prince of Peace, it begins to break anxiety. It begins to break depression. It begins to break PTSD. 
And I began to go so deep in this place of peace. And in June, I ended up doing a special needs surf camp with a good buddy at Pismo Beach, California, where we took out kids with Down syndrome. We took, you know, one kid that was blind from birth, and we got him eight different waves, you know, standing up. And, and here's the deal. Like, when you, like, like, we are gaining, like, our generation, like, you know, the millennials and the Gen Xers, like, there, and then the baby boomers are right there with us in the areas of emotional intelligence, there is this being awareness of our emotions, being awareness of, hey, you know what? Like, I don't want to burn out or sustainability and all that different stuff. You know, I want to be true to my heart, authenticity, where you have Brene Brown. You have, you know, um, you have books like The Emotional Code and, and The Body Keeps the Score, where we're connecting in science how our emotions are connected to our physical body, which is amazing. But we need to understand that when we, there's a difference between self-love and, and beginning to love yourself. Okay, let me just hit this really quick. Sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself. Oh, man, I'll be at airports, and I'll be, like, talking to people, and I'll be stretching, and people are like, oh, why are you stretching, and all this stuff. Well, I was in a crazy car accident. I bounced on the five freeway. Like, you know, my back is really tight, so I'm just stretching it out. And, 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 and they're like, oh, you were ejected from the sunroof? You weren't wearing your seatbelt, were you? And you could just feel lobs of shame. Oh, that's what you get when you don't wear your seatbelt. And you just brush it right off. You have to learn how not to partner with that, to agree with that. Like, but you have to understand that I made decisions of not wearing my seatbelt that could have brought consequences that my kids, my two kids, David being four months old, that they would have not had their natural father. Like that is a moment of reflection, Selah. But I have to not, I have to, I have to take notice of that, be present in that reality, learn from that moment, a revelation bump, but I am not going to stay there. I am, I'm going to learn to forgive myself because, and there is this like, you know, reformation, revolution of, of, of loving yourself. And it's amazing. But there is this extreme pendulum of self-love that becomes selfish. And when you're going through inner healing, you're going through the art, you're going through the float tanks. Float tank is an awesome, I don't have time to explain that. But anyways, just look it up. But, uh, uh, but you're doing all these things internally. You're doing all these things to, to get breakthrough in your own place. But if you stay there, it will become navel-gazing. You will stay in your place of pain because the, sometimes the places of breakthrough happens when you fight for others. Yeah. Even when you think you're not ready. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm still really hurt. I can't. And I did this special needs surf camp and something just hit me. I began to find other places of wholeness, other places of victory as I began to pour into these kids, teaching them to surf. I mean, this is a kingdom principle, like especially in healing. You know, when you pray for someone that's had pain for years and you're praying for their lower back and you're like, hey, have you prayed for anyone else with this disc issue? Well, why would I pray for others? I'm in the one in need. Oh, no, you need to go find others that have the same condition. And it's crazy when they pray for them and they get healed, what will be their response? Will they celebrate or say, God, why them and not me? But there's something that happens when you contend for others, for their breakthrough, even in the midst of you going through pain. Or I'm landing the plane. So 2018, I did catch the wave at Calvary. There was a lady there. Um, she got rocked. Uh, I had my accident in October 2018. And then uh, uh, December comes, so a couple months after my accident, she contacts my wife. She says, hey, I, I saw you guys at Catch the Wave in Orange County. Um, I, I know that you're a realtor, and I want to buy a piece of property in Reading, so I'm going to come up there, and I want to have dinner with you guys and share my story. So she begins to tell her story that, that, that her husband, three years ago, 
This last Super Bowl would have marked the three-year anniversary where on Super Bowl Sunday, he went for a mountain bike ride, and uh, in the afternoon, he was coming back. It was daytime. He's coming back, and a truck hit him, and it was a drunk driver coming back from a Super Bowl party and, and, and hit him in the road, and it wasn't a spine injury, but it was a brain injury. So he couldn't move his neck. He couldn't uh, move his head. He couldn't uh, move his body. But, um, and he couldn't talk, but he would have involuntary movement in his fingers or his leg, but it was involuntary. It was his brain. His brain couldn't fire down to his body. The wife was pregnant with their fifth son when this happened. So she tells us that when she was at Catch the Wave, she heard God say, this man, Chad, will take your husband out surfing. She's telling me this in December, I've got brain fog. I've, I'm still dealing with the concussion. I'm dealing with PTSD. I'm having crazy night terrors at night where I wake up in the sweats. I've got to change the sheets. I'm dealing with crazy stuff. And I look at her and I say, hey, when I am better, I will take your husband out surfing. So end of June, I do the special needs surf camp. And then the end of August, it so happens that I'm down in Orange County, and I, I, I was able to organize this time to take him out surfing. You could show that picture. This is, uh, this is pretty epic. There's me in the blue. There he is. I mean, that's his wife. She said that was just as much of a miracle, but she's the primary caretaker. Like, he could easily have a seizure out there. I needed her to monitor how he was doing. We got him three waves. Like, his family was pretty nervous. But I was like, no, we've got to take him out surfing. Because this overwhelming, in December, this overwhelming thought was, do unto others as you would have them do to you. That, that I was ejected from the sunroof. I bounced around. I had a crazy head injury. I could have easily been in this guy's situation. Who would take me surfing? Because if I was in this guy's situation and I'm still breathing, I hope someone would strap me to a surfboard and take me out of the lineup because I'm still alive. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. And so I took him out surfing. They, they, you know, get in the van. They take off. And this, this moment, this, this aha moment, this place of realization of, Oh my gosh, like I remember the conversation I had with her. When I am better, I will take him surfing. And I just crumbled to the ground and I just said, thank you, Jesus. I guess I'm better. <laughs> and so I just want to pray over you guys that you guys might be dealing with trauma, anxiety, depression, sleep deprivation, many different things, but you need to understand and take courage that God gives you many arrows and that you would begin to fight for others. And that you would begin to encounter the Prince of Peace. I pray that you would encounter the Prince of Peace that you begin to encounter rest, trust, that maybe there's been chinks in your armor. Is God good? Is he a good father? And the Lord wants to solidify. The Lord wants to encourage you. He's a good dad. Because when you get on the other side of wholeness, you could look back and see the beauty. You could see the moments that he was with you all along the way. And I went through it for four years. And maybe some of you have gone through and battled certain things. But you need to understand that God is growing your empathy levels, your compassion levels. He's given you a voice and a place of authority to overcome the world, to overcome the enemy. And to know that you've got a good dad. That he is the God of restoration, redemption. So put your hand on your heart. Father, 
we invite you just to crash in. Lord, any place where unbelief has crept in, any place of, oh, I'm struggling, are you good in this area? Lord, that you would begin to crash into those areas of our lives, that we would begin to encounter the Prince of Peace. I pray for those that are dealing with sleep deprivation, that they would begin to find rest. Lord, that people in this room, they would find recreation in God's presence, recreation. Lord, that you would rejuvenate spirits, that you would release joy and hope and peace. Lord, we pray for the spirit of hope to crash in. And Lord, anxiety be broken off. Any place where we have adopted a victim mentality, that you would begin to expose that and there would be no shame. And that we would begin to discover the many arrows. Not just one, not just a few, but the many arrows to be overcomers. And I thank you, Lord, that this is a community of overcomers. This is a community that's going to champion that we have a good father. And I pray, Lord, that there would be an emotional intelligence in this community, but, Lord, that there'd be a community that's connected to their spirit, soul, and body. That you would break dualism in New Zealand. But, Lord, that there would be a spirit of unity in our spirit, soul, and body. And, Lord, the places of trauma, the places of pain, would be actually the places of our breakthrough. Because the greatest entry point to my breakthrough was my car accident. So, Lord, I pray for that in this room. Lord, that you would crash in, that this would be way bigger than a message, that this would be a lifestyle, that we'd be a people of peace, and that that would be one of the greatest witnessing tools to a generation, to those out there, that we would carry peace, that we'd be carriers of peace. Carriers of peace, that we'd be connected to the Prince of Peace, and Lord, that it would be a deliverance season where people would be delivered from fear, anxiety, and that they would be connected to love. But Lord, that you would break off fear and shame and comparison for where we are scared to pick up arrows that we would no longer be scared to pick up arrows that you gave us in our childhoods. That today is the perfect day to pick up that arrow. There'd be no regret. I pray that you would break off regret in this room. I wish I had done that earlier in my life. We break off regret. But Lord, that you would establish and that we would encounter you as the Prince of Peace. Amen. All right, love you guys. We'll do some ministry. <laughs> Is it like almost time for children to come and get the children? Jesus.